3: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. This is the Greg Peterson Experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. On VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: It's all the number two of the Greg Peterson experience on V the Sports Betting Network we got a tremendous hour for you as we're going to be hitting some basketball and we're going to be hitting some football as Ryan Kramer, does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, he joins me in 15 minutes. We're going to talk a little XFL, we're going to be talking about everything that we saw off the field in the NFL over the last few days, lots of guys getting the tag, a new home for Derek Carr, and so much more. So we got a lot to be able to discuss there, we've got some week 4 XFL lines as well as That's been a lot of fun to be able to take a look at. And the XFL, I really do feel like it's putting out a relatively solid product. It's been nice to be able to bet on. It's been nice to be able to watch. So we're going to be hitting upon that with Ryan in about 15 minutes. Going to get you guys my DK Nation pick for college basketball here in a second. And going to in the front end and back half of this hour, take a look at some college basketball. Get you guys set for these conference tournaments. But first things first. We've got to acknowledge the people. I make the Greg Peterson experience what it is as behind the scenes. We've got a very hardworking crew. It is my producer, Jason, that does a great job of booking all these wonderful guests. And then you've got the man that sets me up on audio. That would be Taylor. He does an amazing job. If you're listening on visa.com, if you're listening on sports map radio, this goes on and on. He's in charge of that. And every single hour that we have on the Greg Peterson Experience and here on VSIM, whether it is this show that you like, the Greg Peterson Experience, whether it's Follow the Money, and Numbers Game, one of our new shows like VSIM Tonight, list goes on and on and on. Every single hour that we do, that is in podcast form, you know, able to find that at VSIM.com slash podcast or wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on. Sean is the man that hooks us up with uploading every single one of those hours and if you're taking a look on Visa.com, we've got the everyday Ray King who's doing a great job of posting up all the graphics. That would be Nick. He does absolutely amazing work. A very tireless and hardworking guy behind the scenes. So we appreciate all of those efforts and let's go to our DK Nation pick for this Wednesday. As currently juries out with regards to Tuesday pick at last check, Stephen F. Austin was in a complete slobber knocker with Utah tech. Last I checked, it was 33 to 30 with, Right around 17 minutes remaining in the second half. So hopefully we'll be able to celebrate a winner towards the back half of this hour as well. So we shall see how that goes. But we've got to take a look at what we're going to be getting for the Wednesday card. And we head out to the great state of Illinois. Chicago to be exact for the Big Ten Tournament. 679, 680 on the betting board. Those that know me know that I am a native of the great state of Wisconsin. And they are going to be taking on the Ohio State University. Ohio State is somehow getting the money after being losers of, and I'm not even kidding here, 14 out of their last 17 games, and they now find themselves as two and a half point favorites, and your total on this game is 131. This just makes no sense at all. This Ohio State team is terrible. I mean, I wish I could call it any other way, but we've got buffoons out there that are betting on Ohio State at 300 to 1 to win the NCAA tournament. I mean, what a... Why? Like. This is just absolutely asinine. I don't even think that in terms of the amount of games that they would need to be able to win to be able to make the NCAA tournament, that they're going to be able to do that. I think they need to win 12 straight games in order to catch that ticket. So, I mean, do yourself a favor. If you really think that Ohio State is going to win the NCAA tournament, which here's a big giant spoiler, they're not. I mean, if Ohio State wins the NCAA tournament, you can play this clip till the end of time. I deserve to get ridiculed for it, but Ohio State is not winning. I think they would need to because with the uh, Big Ten Tournament, they need to win five-plus games here. They need to win at minimum 11 games in a row in order to be able to win the NCAA Tournament. They are not going to be able to do so, but if you really think that they're going to, instead of taking some futures price, just take the money line in every single Ohio State game and just keep rolling over the winnings. You're going to get yourself a better payout. So, at the very least, if you're going to make a dumb bet, at the very least, make it as profitable as humanly possible. So just my little MO there, but in terms of the actual game that we're going to be seeing, the reason why I'm on Ohio State, or the reason why I'm not on Ohio State, I should say, in this spot is because Ohio State is just terrible when they are away from home. Ohio State, as it is, is 191st in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. That is not a good number. This falls all the way to outside the top 300 when they're away from home. In a road slash shoot record environment, Ohio State is giving up 16.6 points more for one arm possessions. Wisconsin, they do have some home and road splits of their own. They're giving up right around six points more for one arm possessions when they leave home. But with Wisconsin, at the very least, you know that this team is going to get their slow, grimy style. And you know that they're going to do the little things. Wisconsin. Turns the ball over on 13.2% of their possessions when they're away from home. That is number one in all of college basketball. Ohio State, they themselves, they only turn the ball over 11 times per game. But where Ohio State has their big advantage in this game is on the boards. And they're now without Zed Key. Zed Key is their top rebounder. He's averaging 10.8 points, 7.5 rebounds, a block per contest. That leaves Ohio State without a single player that averages more than 5.4 rebounds per game. With Wisconsin being outside the top 300 in terms of rebound rate, that's a big break for them. Wisconsin has also been able to do a good job recently of just keeping things within themselves. They've allowed 63 points or fewer in eight out of their last 11 games, 68 points or fewer in 11 straight games in regulation. Because they have played a few games that went to overtime, like that Michigan game that was a big, giant calamity. The Nebraska game was a big, giant calamity. So in regulation, they've been able to do this. They've been able to do a nice job on that front. It's a Wisconsin team that they do rank right around 225th in the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, but being able to make the most out of their possessions is something that they've been able to do. And for Ohio State, they have allowed at least 77 points in every one of their games away from home since the end of January. This team, once again, they cannot play when they're away from home, and now we've got people betting futures on Ohio State to win 11 straight games away from Columbus. Do yourself a favor, don't do that. I will be taking Wisconsin with my DK Nish pick, and I do think that the total is relatively right. I'm going to be shopping the number at about a 130 130 and a half. It is a spot where I would be willing to take a look at and over. I've seen this number climb up to 131 and a half in a few books as well. That would be my buy point on the under. Right now, DraftKings has the exact handicap that I've got on this total at a 131. So if we get north of 131, take for me on the under. Anything below 131, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I'm going to let this one marinate overnight. What I do like is Wisconsin, though. I felt like Wisconsin should have been closer to a a 2.5 to a 3-point favorite myself. So I'm going to be taking them out right on the money line. If there's no money line available at time of post, it's just going to be me taking the small amount of points. But I'm on Wisconsin with my write-up, and I'm going to be taking a look at the total in the AM. Right now, we're seeing this creep up to 131.5. That would be a take for me on the under. And then in the other game that we're seeing in the Big Ten, for Wednesday, this is Minnesota versus Nebraska, 681-682 on the betting board. Nebraska is a six-point favorite, and your total, that is 136.5. Minnesota's actually been able to rise up a little bit with their offense. They've gotten to at least 67 points in each of last five games, which is more than what we've been able to say out of Minnesota for darn near the entirety of the year, because it has been a really sad display from them all year. But you've got a Nebraska team that all of a sudden They've played better basketball. They've won four out of the last five. Their offense is rocking and rolling. And the guy that has been able to do so, Kasi Tomanaga. hopefully I said his name correctly because this guy has been absolutely terrific for this Nebraska team. Nebraska dealt with a few injuries. Emmanuel Vandemel, one of the better on-ball defenders, got hurt, and that has led to Nebraska having a little bit of a tougher time with their defense. They're 148th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. But take a look at what Tomanaga as they would do here in the back half of the season. And it has been nothing short of remarkable, as he's been able to supply the team with 20-plus points, and now six out of the team's last eight games. Overall for the season, he shoots 40.3% from three, which is massive because it's a Nebraska team that has a whole they shoot a little bit over 32% from three. They shoot about 64% in the free throw line. And before you go and think that that is going to be the worst mark in this game, no, no, no. Minnesota shoots 61.5% at the free throw line. That is just absolutely Terrible. Now they do have Dawson Garcia. Dawson Garcia is right around six foot eleven. He's bearing about 34 or so percent of his threes. He's been able to give you 15 points, just below six rebounds per game. So he's been able to do a nice job. But he's going to be matched up with Derek Walker, he has been able to give you 13 points, right around seven and a half rebounds per game. I do like what he's been able to show you. Sam Greisel has been able to do a nice job. 14 points, five boards, four assists. He does a little bit of everything for the Nebraska team, but. With this Minnesota bunch, they are now ranking because their offense has been able to ascend while their defense has declined outside the top 250 in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Just not great. Now, they do have Taylon Cooper. who's able to give you right around 10 points, four boards, six assists, a block, a steal per game. So he does a good job with his versatility on that front. And then you do have Jameson Battle, who's been battling, giving you 13 points per game. But you don't necessarily have a lot of depth with both of these teams. But Nebraska was able to take both games during the regular season, and Nebraska in both of those games was able to get north of 75 points in both of those contests. So it does make it very interesting taking a look at this total. I was seeing some 136s a little bit earlier, and heck, this was an opener of 134 half. I think that we've gotten to the right number here of 136 half. so I'm gonna hope that this number goes down a little bit further if it goes back to that opener. I'd be willing to take it over if we get up north of 137. It's a spot where I would be taking a look at the under, but I did say Nebraska is a a 6.5 point favorite. For Minnesota, being able to ascend with their offense has been at the big giant detriment of their defense. I do think that Tominaga, who over the last month has been just on absolute fire for the Nebraska team, he's going to be able to keep that going, and really neither of these teams have too much of an advantage with this game being played in Chicago, Illinois, because it is relatively equal travel for both of these teams so at anything below 136 willing to take it over and with this game i'm going to be willing to lay nebraska up to six and coming up next we transition away from basketball we go into some footballs ryan kramer who does great work at the sports gambling podcast network he joins me to talk a little xfl and nfl right here on the greg peterson experience on v the sports Bay network
5: Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today. For a sound sleep tonight. Visit Lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L E E S A dot com slash iHeart.
3: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betty Network.
4: All y'all Massachusetts sports fans, soon enough DraftKings Sportsbook, Boston's hometown sportsbook, will be live right in Massachusetts. Bet on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home. Don't bet with some out-of-town sportsbook. Bet local with DraftKings, the only sportsbook born and raised in Massachusetts. Plus, all new customers who sign up for DraftKings. Sportsbook today using the promo code VEASAN that is V-S-I-N, will receive up to $200 in bonus bets once mobile sports betting hits Massachusetts. Soon enough, you'll be able to place bets on the money line, spread, prop, and so much more with one of America's top-rated sportsbooks, DraftKings Sportsbook. If you or a loved one are experiencing problems with gambling, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit helplinema.org to speak with a trained specialist free and confidently 24-7, 24-7, 21 years or older, must be physically present in Massachusetts. Eligibility restrictions apply subject to regular licensing requirements. Eligibility and deposit restrictions to apply Opt-in required and bonus issued as free bets. Terms at DraftKings.com slash MA. We are back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. And always great to be joined by this man. Ryan Kramer does absolutely amazing work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network a man that bleeds all forms of football. And my friend, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you.
6: I appreciate it. We just got done watching guys work out in their underwear. And now we get to read the tabloids about what guys are going to get paid next year. So exciting time to be
4: in the NFL. Absolutely. And out of everything that we saw the last few days, what for you stands out to most to you the most, because for me, I mean, all the hoopla of the um, franchise tags, everything like that. That's big. But for me, the actual move itself of Derek Carr going to New Orleans, I think that that's a much bigger deal because the NFC South was the worst division in all of football this year. And the New Orleans Saints, I felt like they were the best team Sans the quarterback having to ride with Andy Dalton for much of the year was less than terrific. Now you bring in Derek Carr, which I don't know if he's necessarily like a upper echelon quarterback, but He's certainly better than the other schlubs in that division.
6: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people try to make the statement that he is Andy Dalton. I, I would say he's a, a slight step up. I The nugget that they have not drafted a quarterback in the first two rounds since uh, 71 or whenever they drafted Jeez. Archie Manning is absolutely incredible. And it, it is, you know, if you're a Saints fan, it is, it, it's, it's nice, right? You're always competitive. You're always right there. I don't know if Derek Carr is going to be that sexy, splashy, like high ceiling guy. But to your point with a roster that's kind of set up to win now, uh, if anything, their 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 future is mortgaged and, and the cap situation gets really ugly in a hurry. Uh, certainly some question marks around Alvin Kamara, but you got to be excited about what this means for Chris Olave. And if you're a Saints fan, you're obviously more optimistic. The question I have as a football fan is, what did Jameis Winston do to this organization? They got to free him now, because I, I still think we have not seen the last of Jameis Winston.
4: And what do you think did happen behind the scenes? Because it was just so befuddling that they went away from Jameis Winston because, I mean, I was thinking, oh, he's dealing with an injury or something like that, but he was just a healthy scratch from all those games. Do you think it was just a case where he was really Sean Payton's guy and when Sean Payton left, the uh, just rest of the regime didn't like him or something like that? Because that to me was so strange because we know exactly what Andy Dalton is and Andy Dalton isn't very good.
6: Yeah, it's that choosing your sturdy floor versus going for a little bit of a ceiling. And I think to your point, it wouldn't it be funny if we saw somehow the Broncos end up with Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston in some sort of package coach's son deal. I do think there's something to that, right? Payton certainly had earned the right to get a couple pet projects on the roster. Obviously, we see that in Taysom Hill, who, by the way, has restructured again to push more of that money out to the future. But yeah, I I I don't get it. I mean, Jameis has everywhere he's gone, he's shown the tools. He seemed to be a changed man in New Orleans. He got LASIK, he could see. So I'm I hope he gets another shot because uh, you know, kind of feels like this is a Derek Carr being there for at least two to three more years means no more Jameis Winston's in New
4: Orleans. Yep, there is no question about it. They are moving in a new direction, and the Giants are going to be sticking with what they had a season ago, as they have Danny Dimes. Signing a $160 million deal. And for those that are watching on VEASAN.com, YouTube TV, you see the Giants gear in the background. What do you make out of this? Because the numbers, they certainly don't warrant the contract that Daniel Jones was given. At the same time with Daniel Jones, I think that we would both agree. He looked very good towards back half of the season as well. So this feels very much like an upside signing. I do feel like the giants maybe did make a little bit of an overpay in this circumstance. though.
6: it certainly does seem like, you know, I'm a fan of the team and I'm a fan of Brian Dable. He won coach of the year. And I have to imagine that they only do this. If Brian Dable thinks that this could be their guy, Dan Jones could be their guy. Now, as far as the money, it's always going to be crazy when it's a quarterback, right? They're so critical to the team but by the by the time that Herbert and Burrow and you know Lamar hopefully do, do their deals this offseason this is going to put him right there around number 13 overall in terms of contract value so on, a, on an annual basis so I, I don't know if it's the craziest thing it's it's an unfortunate thing that the, the middle class of the NFL quarterback market is so kind of out of whack but again we we he's going to be right there in the middle of the pack after this season so i think he got what he wanted in that big number. It does sound like as the details are coming out that this is going to resemble more of a three-year deal. And at the end of the day, again, I believe in Brian Dable. He won coach of the year that you saw what he was able to do in one year with Dan Jones. And so I believe in the signing. And I think more importantly, Brian Dable believed that this is his guy. So who am I to, who am I to tell him he's wrong? Plus it allows them to, to, to tag Saquon and kind of keep that continuity, if nothing else, than some sort of leadership in the locker room.
4: And I do think that that's really big as well because I in the fulcrum of the New York Giants offense, it was the fact that they were able to do a good job of being able to run the ball. And how much do you think that we're going to be able to find out with the Giants over the next, we're going to call it 12 or so months because while you're able to take a look at the stats for Daniel Jones, he threw for about 200 yards a game, 15 touchdowns and five interceptions. He also did this with what I would call bottom three weapons in the NFL. If you call it the worst wide receiver core in the NFL, I would not blame you because Kenny Galladay signed one of the worst contracts in the history of the NFL. I mean, give credit to Mr. Galladay. Being able to make that much money for that little work is something that we all dream about. But I mean, man, with the New York Giants, I do think that once we just are able to see any form of weapons whatsoever around Daniel Jones. I think that we're gonna get a little bit of a better gauge as to how bad slash good this contract is.
6: Well, it's certainly, I think there's a lot of quarterbacks in this league that we would make excuses for if this was their set of weapons. You know, the offensive line problems, the lack of any sort of substantial talent around them. So to your point, yeah, I I think part of the reason that he earns this contract is his ability to be multiple and be a guy that can use his legs and he has the prototypical size and he has a little bit more speed than people expect what I, what I've found to be interesting is there's going to be this interesting chip that uh, Dan Jones, I think is going to be able to put on his shoulder here where, because he signed the contract in the same uh, time frame where Lamar was given the franchise tag, Dan Jones is now also wearing the badge of the guy who didn't give Lamar Jackson the contract. And I think it's going to get like I think there's going to be a decent amount of negative press coming out about Dan Jones. So I I think there's going to be even more like typically when guys get paid that motivation you know you would think goes away. I I think there's going to be more of it. And I think you know again at, at the place he needs to take a step forward is be aggressive, take the shot. They believe they clearly believe in you with the money now. So got to see the the step forward because as you mentioned up top like this there is a little bit of future performance being paid for in this contract here.
4: No doubt about it, and. There is a lot of question marks when it comes to this man. I am someone from the great state of Wisconsin. and The Aaron Rodgers drama just continues. Oh boy, because we have not talked about this topic enough in the world of sports. What do you make out of the Giants setting up a meeting with Aaron Rodgers? Because I do think that from my perspective, it's probably inevitable that he does go with the Jets. And I for the New York Jets, this would be exactly what they need because they were good at every position except for quarterback last year.
6: And, it, they, you know, they maybe are the team that's willing to take the swing and eat the financial burden and all that. They went out and signed Nathaniel Hackett in spite of him looking like maybe the worst coach in the history of coaches. And, and yeah, it's all for this, right? We, we were hearing the rumblings early on. The Packers are done with Aaron Rodgers. They're going to move on. I mean, if you take a step back, the, the sweet kind of hilarity around the ironic nature of, of Aaron Rodgers treating Jordan Love just like Brett Favre treated him and letting him be in limbo for a while. But it does seem like this is the end of the limbo. The darkness retreat helped him see that. It helped him see that the only way for him to make his existence more miserable and interesting uh, as a suffering hero in this role is to go to New York and be a member of this Jets because we know that's not gonna work out well. I just, as much as I want it to work out well, it's just, they're the Jets and it's Aaron Rodgers and it it just seems like a a, a match made to doom
4: yep being a quarterback for the new york jets if your name is up and joe namath typically has been a darkness retreat so very good point <laughs> there but coming up next we are going to be talking a little xfl and it's not been a darkness retreat in the xfl it's actually been quite fun to watch and bet on and ryan kramer does a great job of breaking it down and will do so with me next right here on the greg and experience on the city for
3: Seen Hoops Peterson himself on v the Sports Betting Network. Before you
4: make your next bet, be sure to visit v to check out the current betting splits day to watch to know where the money and the bets are moving on every single game while the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes. So that way, you're able to see all the changes in the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money just does not match up with the public opinion. You're able to check out Not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way that VEASAN is here year-round to make you a smarter better. So check out today's betting splits for every single game now at VEASAN.com. We are back here in lovely Las Vegas. More specifically, Circa, as it is, the Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. And great to be rejoined by Ryan Kramer. Does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Ryan, you love all forms of football, my friend. College football the NFL, I'm sure that if there was AAU football out there, you'd find a way to be able to eat it up as well with regards to being able to make some money off of it as well. But that <laughs> said, with regards to the XFL, what did you make out of the week three games? Because I did think that what we saw out of the Seattle Sea Dragons was very fascinating, the Ben DiNucci to Josh Gordon sort of connection has been working out really well. And hey, the Orlando Guardians, they were able to get a cover. Yeah,
6: I mean, it that that was a pretty ugly game. It could be that. And you know, you got to you got to look out for this in these spring leagues. Like the talent is not as equal as it is in the NFL. They are not as optimal at building rosters. And I think when you're looking at this Orlando-Arlington matchup, you just might be looking at a a, a view into the worst two teams in the league. So for me, yeah, great for our, our, for Orlando to get that cover. I'm not taking too much away from it. And as you mentioned with Seattle, I think Seattle kind of one of those teams where even though they were Owen 2, look to buy uh, on at that, at that point, because I, I believe in June Jones and I believe in their offense can, having a plan being able to move the ball. And if they can just clean up the turnovers, they're going to be a team that's tough to, to match because they're going to be able to put up points every single week.
4: Yeah, but I do think that it's so interesting to be able to take a look at the Seattle Sea dragons who are now a four and a half point favorite against the San Antonio Brahmas. I know that out here at circa this was a number that opened up at three. Do you think that there still might be a little bit of value with Seattle at a four and a half point line with them being at home, or is this number starting to move just a little bit too far upward
6: oh no i'm 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 gonna continue to buy Seattle. I think they're only going to continue to get better, and I think we're still waiting for them to have an even bigger offensive explosion and to me, you know we we discussed this in person, like what will the key numbers be? How do you handicap? I still don't think it doesn't matter. I think, you know, throwing our dart, throwing a dart at the wall and saying, okay, well, we know Seattle is probably better than San Antonio on a neutral. Sure. We think Seattle has like a uh, slightly above average home edge here. I, I, I don't, I, it's still a crapshoot, And I think to me, like Seattle is, is a touchdown better than the San Antonio team? And I think I trust this Seattle offense to be able to score. And again, when you watch the XFL and you see Josh Gordon touch the ball, it's like, all right, this is almost like one of those AAU games or or like a, a little peewee football game where one kid just looks bigger than everyone else. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all in on Seattle until further. No, until they run into an actual good team, I'm going to be laying points with Seattle until we get double digits maybe is where I, I start pumping the break.
4: And what I think is really interesting about this week in the XFL is that we've got two teams that are three and O we got two teams that are and three. And they're paired up with one another. Let's start with the game on Sunday between these two. The Vegas Vipers, they're 0-3. The D.C. Defenders, they are 3-0. and And this is a spread of 6. Do you think that this is warranted? Or do you think this is getting up a little bit too lofty? Because what I really take a look at here is a total of 41. And I feel like D.C. might have the best defense in the XFL. Meanwhile, this Vegas Vipers offense has been leaving quite a bit of something to be desired.
6: Yeah. And I would even go further. I mean, I, I like what I've seen from the DC offense. I like uh, them rolling out there with a two quarterback system where it seems like it's planned. Uh, We always, you know, have discussed why, why does a college NFL team not run a two quarterback system? Although shout out to William and Mary, Uh, they ran one this year in the FCS. I know you like that hoops. Uh, And I, I think, you know, if anyone who watched college football, Derek King was like a legit prospect. So the fact that they have Tamu spring football, quarterback God and and Derek King out there looking quite good on offense. Before the season, we talked about how Reggie Barlow was a real coach who had, you know, a decade of head coaching experience at various levels of college football. And they absolutely look like a team that knows how to play defense. And then you sprinkle in that they actually have a home edge. The beer snake lives. The, the, the XFL has changed their opinion on it and they're letting them have it. And You know, if you watch a game in DC, it it actually resembles a home crowd. So I think between the fact that they're clearly the better team, they have the better coach and honestly, I think they can score more points and they have the home edge. I love DC and Seattle to me are the two best teams in this league and I don't know it's very close.
4: And I think that it's always fun to be able to throw out there. The fact that you've got two quarterbacks, you don't just have one or the other. You have both just like, you don't just get William. You don't just get Mary you get both whenever you bet on them in college basketball <laughs> as well. Always I one of my steal. favorites. Yes, absolutely. The tag team of William and Mary and the tag team of the quarterback system in DC. It does live on. And then the other one, it's the roughnecks and the guardians. And I think we're both in agreement out of the own three teams. The one that is the lesser of the two is the guardians just because they're in complete disarray with their offense, unable to move the ball. The reason why they were able to cover last week is because, well, offense on both sides were relatively sad, to say the least, and now they go up against the Roughnecks and the Guardians at home. They are currently finding themselves as an 8.5-point underdog. Do you think that these numbers are starting to get a little bit too high on trying to fade the Guardians? Because I do think that they're the worst team in the XFL, but I think once you get up north of 8, because you got the going for 1, 2, or 3, A lot of teams have been going for two in a lot of circumstances. I do think that it's getting a little bit too high.
6: Yeah, and and specifically, you know, I I said that Seattle and D.C. were two of the best teams in the league. I think the other team you put in that category is Houston. And I think when you look at Houston's track record, uh, they've covered this number in every game so far. And specifically, they already played Orlando. And they beat them 33 to 12. I don't see a ton of improvement in Orlando, and I think Houston looks like a well-oiled machine. The one caveat I would say, Houston, not they have not played a road game yet, so this is their first road game. Of course, they're all living in the hub and traveling together to the road destinations, but uh, there's there's no home edge in Orlando. I think this Houston team again, we're we're seeing some of these teams. They're just put together well. Uh, The coaches are are doing a good job, and it's very clear that they have an identity and they know what to do. Again, Greg Williams, right? Like bonafide defensive coordinator, gotten a little trouble in the league, but he's down there coaching some defense. And oh, by the way, the, on the offensive side, uh, it's another uh, June Jones disciple. So I I think the Houston Roughnecks are another one of those teams where, although it does seem at some point with like middling talent, you don't want to lay too many points. Again, double, I need double digits to take the guardians in this matchup.
4: Yeah, it's been rough for the Guardians to say the least. And it has been interesting to take a look at these two teams because they're both sitting there at 2-1, and one, the Renegades and the Battlehawks. And the Battlehawks have been quite fortunate in their two wins, but now they're going to be able to play a game at home. They went 2-1 and one in both of those games being on the road. It is a coach in Anthony Beck where I still have some question marks with them overall. It has been a Battlehawks team that's been a little bit up and down, but I do think that their defense is relatively solid. They're a four-point favorite against the Arlington Renegades. And this to I me mean, just has a little bit more of a feel of a pick'em game. I actually do think that there's going to be a little bit of a home field advantage for St. Louis because, well, the Rams got stripped away from them many years ago. So those fans are very hungry for some football out there in the great state of Missouri. But take a look at this spot. And four just feels a little bit too rich for my blood.
6: You know, it's and again, it's one of the home edge. One of the teams we expected to have a home edge. We saw them last time. Uh, that San Antonio had a team in a spring football league. They were quite excitable. And oh, by the way, this is their first home game. The St. Louis Battlehawks have played three road games. Yes. You mentioned they got a little lucky. They've only led for a little bit more than a quarter in both of their games. And they're somehow two and one, but again, they have an identity. We all saw the story. AJ McCarron came out to play in the XFL versus a backup job in the NFL so that his kids could watch him play. And he's having fun with it. And he's probably a slightly better quarterback than some of the, the, these other guys, but more importantly, they play a good brand of defense and I'm really excited to see them play that defense at home with a little bit of noise. So, uh, you know, I've, I've had a pretty good track record in the XFL. And I, honestly, my strategy has not included taking a lot of dogs. And so very chalky this week. Uh, I'm, I'm on all the favorites, even the ones on the road, but in this one specifically, I think, I think we're going to watch this St. Louis game and be like, they really need an NFL team.
4: Yep. And with AJ McCarron, you did mention it with him as well. A guy that I mean, he's been around the league. He started a few games in the NFL and that's what I think has really been the difference with the XFL and like the Alliance of America football league, the first iteration of the XFL. You just didn't have the stars like you have now with a Josh Gordon with an AJ McCarron, which has been very good. And I know that you Ryan do a great job of being able to handicap this. You're doing a nice job, taking a look at all forms of football and you, much like myself, sweated out double overtime on Tuesday in Weaver State versus Montana State, which I think is absolutely tremendous. And, Ryan, always appreciate the time. Thank you.
6: Thanks. Thanks, Hoops.
4: Always great to get Ryan Kramer aboard. He does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And coming up next, let's take a look at the Big 12 games that we're going to be getting on Wednesday. And that is coming up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: hoops peterson himself on VCN, the sports betting network
4: bet rivers online sportsbook is the place to be as you could win up to ten thousand dollars instantly by playing in our exclusive bet rivers squares this basketball season place a qualifying bet and you get a square on the house if the numbers on the square match a final score of the game you win restrictions on qualifying wagers, eligibility bonus, and credit use to apply full terms and conditions are available at BetRiverSquares.com. We're back here. on am the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa and the Sports Bank Network. It was great to be able to get Ryan Kramer aboard. He does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Just a friendly reminder if you miss anything that we do with regards to picks on this show, whether they be from myself, from any of our guests, you're able to go down the list. Beaston.com slash picks. We've got you guys covered with all of them over there, and we've already went through a few conferences here tonight with what we're going to be seeing on Wednesday. And for those of you guys are riding out the DK Nation pick with myself in terms of Stephen F. Austin versus Utah Tech, 30 seconds left in the game. Utah Tech is up by one. So we shall see if we're going to be celebrating a winner or trying to drown our sorrows in defeat. So, that is a very, very much a sweat there, but we're going to be getting even more sweats on Wednesday as the Big Twelve and their tournament that gets started, and it gets started with a team that is catching a lot of steam. Six ninety seven, six ninety eight on the board. West Virginia and Texas Tech are going to be doing battle. The Rambling Wreck of Texas Tech. They find themselves as a four to four and a half point underdog after opening up as a two and a half point underdog. The this game is aimed between one forty six and one forty six and a half, and the big thing right now for me is that you've got a Texas Tech team that is in no doubt a little bit of disarray. Mark Adams he has been suspended. He is not going to be coaching the team in this one. Apparently, there were some bad remarks and and it has not been a savory situation with Texas Tech. But it is interesting with Texas Tech because towards the back half of the season, they have been playing like that top 25 team that we were thinking that they were going to be They have been a little bit up and down, but with Fardos Amek in the fold, he's been able to do a really nice job. He's averaging in the neighborhood about eight and a half or so rebounds per game when he's been out there. He missed much of the season due to injury, gives you 12 points per contest. So he has been a big addition for this team and it just begs the question what Texas Tech would have been if he would have been out there for the entirety of the season. Because you may recall that game that they played against Kansas State in the fog. He had 18 rebounds in that game. He's 11, and while he was at Utah Valley last season, he shot over 40% from three-par range, but I just don't think that this is a justified favorite here with West Virginia. Now, they've got someone in Eric Stevenson who has been on one recently. This guy has been able to supply 22-plus points at each out of the last five games. He's one of the most streaky shooters that you're going to find at the power level, though, because while he's been able to put together this really nice five-game run, Keep in mind, in his previous three games, he had scored single digits in every one of them with 8, 3, and 5. So he has been very much all over the place. Last time these two teams played, he had 27 points in that game, but Texas Tech went to Morgantown, a tough place to play. They were able to get that win by a count of 78 to 72. In that game, you saw West Virginia shoot it well from 3-point range. They went 11 to 28 from 3-point range. Texas Tech certainly above. Their skis a little bit in terms of three point shooting in that one. They went six of 14 from three point range, but I do think that you're going to see Texas Tech be able to do a relatively solid job on glass because West Virginia doesn't have that rebounding. They've got a pair of guys, and Jimmy Bell Jr., Trey Mitchell, they both give you about 5.2, 5.3 rebounds per game. at Trey Mitchell, he's able to give you a double figure amount of points. Nice six foot eight, six foot nine, little bit of a combo player. And it's able to pop some threes, but. For Texas Tech, they now have the advantage down low. You've got Kevin O'Banner, who's been able to form himself into a little bit of a better post player than he was while he was at Oral Roberts, part of that team that made the Sweet 16. And by the way, that's the team that you want to be taking note of in your bracket. Oral Roberts, they just completely dump trucked North Dakota State to be able to win the Summit League's auto bid to the NCAA tournament. That is very nice because Oral Roberts is actually better on defense than they were two seasons ago when they made the Sweet 16. If I do pick them in my bracket, it certainly won't be as a 15 seed. So we've I mean, got that, but with Kevin O'Banner, 14.5 points, six half boards, and it's a Texas Tech team that they're just overall the more well-rounded team, in my opinion. I do think that this is right. It does hurt them quite a bit, and when it comes to West Virginia, they do a better job of being able to take care of the ball. So you've got Joe Toussaint, who's able to give you right around three assists per contest. Adrian Johnson has been pretty sure-handed out there in the backcourt, but I could only make this line 2.5. Being able to get four, four and a half with Texas Tech, I'm going to be able to take the points. I think that Texas Tech, a team that's playing a little bit more up tempo, but a team that's a little bit more defense oriented, is going to be a hold up. I don't think you're going to see as hot of three point shooting in this one as you did last time these two teams played when I landed 78 to 72, as West Virginia went 11 of 26 from three, Texas Tech went 6 of 14, so I did something I told 144 and a half. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the points with Texas Tech. Also throwing there that. These games are being played at T-Mobile Center. That is in Kansas City, Missouri. And that's where this game is going to be played as well. Six ninety nine seven hundred on the board. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma are going to be doing battle. The battle for the great state of Oklahoma, which, luckily enough, is not going to be played in the great state of Oklahoma, sees Oklahoma State as a, a 1.5 point favorite in most spots, seeing a couple straight twos populate as well. And your total on this game is 135.5. I'm going to be willing to take a look at the under. semi total 135. You got an Oklahoma team that plays very uh, slow as they've taken on that Porter Mosier style. As we know, Porter Mosier, back while he was at Loyola Chicago, always had his team playing at a not-so-up-tempo pace. And when it comes to Oklahoma, in terms of total possessions per game, they are outside of the top 250. Meanwhile, you've got an Oklahoma State team that's hovering more around 155th. So out of 363 D1 teams, relatively average, but with Oklahoma State... They've got the big leg up when it comes to defense. As Musa Cissé, he's back to being fully healthy. He's been able to average right around 8 rebounds per game, but there were a few games where he played where you could tell that he wasn't necessarily 100%, so when he's been fully 100%, he's been averaging closer to 9 to 10 rebounds per game. Meanwhile, Oklahoma, they give up 8 points more per one of possessions when they leave Norman, and I do think that that's a big theme with Oklahoma. They've been very good when they've been playing at home. They've been able to execute, fire on all cylinders when they leave home. Not so great. Now, you do have a pair of guys that do a nice job of be able to give you a little bit of rebounding, and Jalen Hill, coupled with Tanner Groves, they've been able to combine for 20 points. They give you 13 rebounds per game And Grant Shurfield. Has been able to do a very nice job, as well as he's been able to supply the team with about 16.5 points, three assists, shoots it well from three-point range. Milo's Uzan, Jacob Groves, not necessarily great scorers, but they're okay three-point shooters. But the big thing with this Oklahoma team is that they play at this slow style, and yet they turn the ball over 13 and a half times per game. That just does not lend itself, in my opinion, to very good results when it comes to this team. It's an Oklahoma State team that they're not going to go out there and they're going to generate a whole bunch of seals or anything like that. But they do generate about 13 and a halfish ish turnovers per game. They themselves do have their turnover woes, 14.2 per contest, and they've been dealing with the injury to Avery Anderson. He's been out of the fold for nine games. He's really the main facilitator for the team, so they've been relying a lot recently on John Michael Wright along with Bryce Thompson. Both of these guys are combining for just under 22 points per contest. Both of these guys shoot it at a combined about 36% from 3 point range. John Michael Wright, a little bit of an up transfer from high point, who has no longer been a low point. He has been able to give the team quite a bit of production down the stretch, which I do like to see, but it's going to be up to Caleb Asbury. Be able to give the team a little bit of pop as well. Be able to take a little bit of the pressure off as he's been able to shoot it well from three-point range himself. Meanwhile, John Michael Wright, not necessarily a guy that's going to hit the glass too much, but you do have someone like a Caleb Boone who's been able to give you 11 points, 5.5 boards. He's been solid down low for this Oklahoma State team as well. And the last time these two teams played, Oklahoma State went on the road. They were able to get a 71-61 win. That was a game that... If you had the total in that one, there was a very, very lame steal at the end of it that was put in, and that was how you were able to get the over in that one. Meanwhile, there were also a bunch of brick free throws in a game that was looking like it was going to go very easily over, so you're able to take a look at that. One of two ways. I do think that it's going to be a little bit higher scoring this time around. Oklahoma State has been faltering with their defense a little bit over the last month. But it's also an Oklahoma team that has a tough time of being able to take care of the ball as well. So I did set my total at a 135 here at 135 and a half. I'm going to be taking a look at this total under at Oklahoma State. I did set them as a two-point favorite. So one and a half or less, I am going to be willing to lay the number. And just giving you this right now, we don't have any numbers up on this game, but the Big Sky Conference Final, that is now said, if you had the under in the Montana State game, you were able to get there on double overtime. That is a very, very big rarity. But with that said, congratulations to all of us who had the under in Weber State versus Montana State. Montana State, they were able to get the job done. 60-58, to and you got there on double overtime on a low total, which really and Angel just got its wings, ladies and gentlemen. Total on this game, anywhere between 130 and 131 and F 60 to 58. A complete and utter slog in this game. So that's a very good cash for anyone that took a look at the under. And I'm sure that there's gonna be plenty of unders on the board that I'm gonna be liking for this Wednesday slate of college basketball, but. Coming up next, we are going to be heading out west. We've got the Mountain West Tournament that's starting up. We've got the Pac-12 Tournament that's starting up. We're going to be hitting those in our number three of the Greg Peterson Experience on v On the flip side, the sports Banking Network.
1: Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools